0: Hello, and welcome to the LCS Health Services Division podcast series. Today, I have Liz Barlow, Senior Director of Quality for Rehab Care and a nurse by background, to talk to us a little bit about the changes to the RAI manual coming out in October of 2018. So we're going to go over some global um, introductions to the section changes, um, and, and Liz, welcome, we're so glad to have you here as our nurse and MDS expert to kind of walk us through these high-level changes.
1: Thanks, Meredith, my pleasure to join you guys and to talk about this.
0: Awesome, so talk to us a little bit about the, the overall global major changes to sections A, I, J, M, and N for us, can you do that please?
1: I can. And one thing I do want to note, um, Meredith, is that right now what CMS has done is that they have released what is called the specs. So the MDS in, in its current form, in the, in the format has been released. We can look at the sections and the form, but what they haven't done yet is really they haven't sent out the definitions and the REI manual and what that potentially looks like. So All I did right. want to clarify that, um, even though we're going to talk about the the global changes, there is there is still a lot to come in that regard. But right. yeah, let's let's quickly go through some of these areas. I know we've got a lot to talk about today. So section A, um, with the new Medicare Beneficiary Identifier that was that is starting to be released, right? I believe it became effective April one. CMS has now added a section that you can put the NBI. In, in Section A as an identifier versus the old HIC number. So um, my understanding is is that, that that they will be able to accept both for several more years, but, but that section will be added. Um, another important section is the Section I active diagnosis. And one of the things that we're seeing with the updates that are coming October is that they are now going to have a section of categories to select. And again, don't have a lot of detail around that. Um, beginning to wonder though whether they're starting to correlate some of these changes with some of the payment reform when they're looking at categories of patients and then entering it into the MDS format. But I
0: was that's going to be ask
1: new. You that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Section J is going to have a new question that asks if the resident has had major surgery during the 100 days prior to admission. I believe it's just a yes no type of question. Um, and then Section M. For those um, that are familiar with M, which is usually the skin section, they are adding the word pressure injury to verbiage, which I was happy to see because there's an organization called MPUAP, and they really are the ones, they're the gurus and that have guidelines for, for wound care. And they changed the verbiage from pressure ulcer to injury a couple of years ago. So we are going to see that update in the MDS. Um, There are also some deleted sections of Section M. Um, I I, I don't want to go through all of them, but there are questions about like date of the oldest stage 2 that's going to be gone. Um, Some dimensions of unhealed stages 3 and 4 are also going to be gone. But the big thing, again, is just the verbiage change um, to include the word injury. Uh, Quick update on Section N is that there is now, there are now questions about drug regimen review And what is important about this is that there is, under QRP, Quality Reporting Program, there's going to be a new quality measure that is all about um, drug regimen review. So these questions specifically are going to refer back to that quality measure. It talks about whether they completed a drug regimen review and identified a problem, and if they identified a problem, did they follow up appropriately. So there are some yes, no's and how quickly a facility may have followed up with a physician and a plan of care if there were, if there were identification of any type of um, drug regimen issues. Um, and so those, those, that's really the main overview of everything except for GG, which I know uh, I think we want to talk about next.
0: Yeah. So can, can you give our listeners, because we have a v- wide variety uh, of, of an audience, right? Can you tell us or talk to uh, our audience a little bit about the difference between Section G and Section GG?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, and, and in a nutshell, you know, I think everyone's very familiar with Section G, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's, got
1: two different, it's got two different coding areas. Um, What is interesting about that, and then GG came around last year, uh, as you know, or actually it's been, I guess, a year and a half. Um, Section GG essentially has come about as a result also of this quality reporting program that, that Medicare has had, and there are quality measures that surround GG. They're looking at function and whether or not a facility is completing these sections right now. At some point, we will look at outcomes, but for right now, a facility is being Um, scored, so to speak, on whether or not those sections are completed. Um, GG has come essentially from something that you are probably familiar with, Meredith, called the CARE tool. Mm -hmm. But I think that CMS has been pretty pleased with having this information out there. And for the rollout in October, we're actually seeing many more items added um, as part of the update in October. Um, and in addition, and I know we can talk about this a little bit later, um, these sections are also, Section GG is going to have a vital role in the proposed payment reform. So um, what I do love about GG is that, you know, there is a definition for usual, and I think that really enables us, nurses and therapists, to really talk about what usual is versus just GG where sometimes information is just handed over.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are the sections of GG that are going to be enhanced or changed with, the, with, with October 1 that, that our audience would be probably most interested in understanding?
1: Yeah, so CMS has added quite a few areas on Section GG, and I, I'll summarize those for you. There are a few completely new areas. One is called um, prior functioning. And um, it, it, it has a new area um, that and there are four areas to that, actually, that they're going to be asking questions about. And the coding does look different than it even does for some of the other GG areas, but pretty simple. And so there are four areas assessed, and it's going to be self-care, indoor mobility, stairs, and functional cognition. So again, prior functioning, it's completely new section. Mm-hmm. Another new section we're going to see is called, they're asking about assistive devices that the patient may have used prior to admission. There will be a new non-applicable option called, and it's numbered as number 10. Now that will mean, the definition of that means not attempted to, to due to environmental limitations. And the example that I've heard on that one would mean that if, you have worked on car transfers with a patient and you were going to be doing it the day before discharge one more time and it was snowing out. So due to that snow and safety issues, maybe you couldn't perform that um, as you had planned. So you may end up scoring it as a 10 that it was not attempted due to environmental limitations. Um, They are now allowing dashes with goals which is new before they discourage the use of dashes, as we know, but they are saying that with the rollout in October that some of those dashes will be allowed now. Okay. Um, Two of the areas that I know that we are familiar with and and that probably we have the most interest in are the self-care and mobility areas of GG. And with self-care, we have four new areas being added. We've got showering and bathing self, upper body dressing, lower body dressing, putting on and taking off footwear. So the footwear portion is going to be separate from the lower body dressing. Um, that's in addition, interesting. we have, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be scored separately. Um, in addition, mobility has eight new areas. We've got rolling left and right. So certainly that's part of that mobility. Car transfers, walking 10 feet, picking up an object, walking 10 feet on uneven surfaces. And then there's a one step, four step, and 12 steps that's going to be added. Hmm. So again, lots of, lots of information that's gonna be added in October. And I know we as a company are already starting to talk about what that looks like and are working with our software vendor to get that incorporated into our um, electronic documentation.
0: Great. So, uh, a lot of changes with Section GG. I think, you know, when, when I think globally of MDS uh, changes, and and like you mentioned, the alignment with payment reform, I think of coding, I think of tracking of therapy minutes or, or service delivery, and I think of communication. And so... Yes. From a coding perspective, can you just tell me from, I, I know that you are um, a member of the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordinators. Can, can you tell me how important this is going to be in the future of the MDS, you know, at PDPM or, or even this October 1, 2018 future?
1: Exactly. You know, w- you know I'm going to make the statement, of course, coding's always been incredibly important because it impacts so many things with the MDS in particular, right? It impacts our payment. If you're in a Medicaid case mixed state, quality measures, the QRP quality measures that we just talked about, that all circles around you know, the coding of the MDS. But mm-hmm. what, as we are learning really what this new payment reform called PDPM stands for and what it means is that coding is going to have an immediate impact really on reimbursement. So a few, just a few quick examples of that are section I, which is the um, diagnosis section, is going to be vital because that diagnosis is going to directly impact the CMI for nursing, PT, OT, and speech, which are all Mm -hmm. separate components in PDPM. Yeah. Um, Everything now that nursing does, Meredith, is really needed, is going to be needed to be captured. So the rugs look very similar. The scoring for nursing with PDPM looks very similar, but where it may not have mattered before on coding on the MDS because if the patient was skilled for therapy and that was the therapy rug we got, now all of those different services that a a nurse may provide that can be captured on the MDS may have a direct impact on your financial reimbursement. So an example of that may be COPD. If a patient has active COPD and cannot lie flat lying down, if you check that off, that actually can impact one of the special care drug scores. So all of those things that we've looked at and it has been important is going to be even more important that it is captured appropriately. And really, even more than that, it has to be captured on the five-day. So really intensifying, you know, the role of that MDS coordinator, especially soon after admission, you know, from a patient.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We've always say that, you know, the MDS coordinator is one of the most vital people in in our health center. And so um, they just, they have a lot of work. Um, So uh, the second piece that I I think I I focus on when it comes to MDS changes is, you know, the proposed changes to the assessments uh, with payment reform and and kind of a reduction of those and, and taking away the actual tracking of therapy minutes on a weekly basis to just being tracked at the, at discharge or the discharge assessment. Um, what do you think that they're going to be using that information for, you know, from, from a time spent with patient's perspective at the end of the visit?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the proposed rule has indicated that while, you know, a patient isn't going to be rugged or um, like they are now, that therapy certainly still has an important piece to a patient's outcome. And mm-hmm. there will be, there will still be, again, this is proposed role, but there will still be a section O that has to be completed on um, the discharge assessment. All patients will now be required to have a PPS discharge assessment, which wasn't the case always, If the patient stayed in the facility, it had to be completed. Otherwise, it didn't. Mm -hmm. And so CMS is saying that will have to be done. And there is a Section O. And in that Section O, they are asking for minutes, days, treatments, including co-treatment and group that will have to be completed upon discharge. And they have, again, stated in the Federal Register that they expect therapy services to be similar to what has occurred in the past. And they're going to monitor uh, what that looks like for individual buildings, Um, Mm -hmm. So, which I think is really interesting. So we still have to, we're still going to be tracking our time, it looks like, but reimbursement won't be based on minutes anymore. But still, you know, as you and I both know, function is an incredibly vital component. And you know, getting those patients out the door and and, um, seeing those functional outcomes to prevent rehospitalization rates and, and all of those great things is is so important to what we do.
0: Absolutely, and probably also tracking to make sure that we are not decreasing the amount of services that we are providing the same types of patients, right? Just just that for right. sheer reimbursement purposes, yeah.
1: That that's absolutely right. So yeah, they're they're still going to keep a close eye on us, you know, with the scrutiny that therapy has had certainly over the last several years they are saying, okay, you know, you you've provided, depending on the facility, you know, pretty intense therapy, you've got medically complex patients, we don't anticipate you to change it very much from what you've done in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, because uh, diagnosis and and these, these pieces, when we're talking about uh, payment reform, become crucial to all the different components that make up your rate, I think communication becomes even more vital. And I know that that Uh, tends to be or appears to be a pervasive issue that we currently have now, especially between uh, therapy metrics um, for OMRAs, minutes, um, diagnoses, things like that. Um, And so what do you think is the number one thing we can start doing now um, to improve our communication between therapy and MDS? I mean, I'm sure there's no sort of secret sauce, um, but we know that we have to figure out how to do it better, and I don't know that anybody has the answer to that, um, but I know it's something we definitely need to focus on, right?
1: Yeah, and we need to start talking about it yesterday, <laughs> right? You know, um, you know, so you know, I say with all of this, you know, fo- you need to look at what current processes do you have now, and uh, you know, regardless of the process, it can usually be improved in in one form or another. But you know, I, c- from my perspective, you cannot overemphasize the importance of at least meeting daily. If I could pick one thing to improve, um, start with one thing, you know, I always say, you know, the process usually is several steps, but focus in on one thing at a time. You know, a building is very complex, there are a lot of different people in it. Um, meeting daily, you know, having therapy, bring their planner, sitting down with the MDS coordinator every single morning, shouldn't take more than 45 seconds a patient. Mm-hmm. And if you do that daily, then your weekly meetings would become much easier. Yes. And you guys can talk about what you need to talk about. Look at the minutes. Look what's coming. If a patient was sick, we can look at ARD dates. We can establish them then. Make sure we're both on the same page. That makes tomorrow much easier. It makes the day after that much easier. But you've got, you know, I always tell people you've got to start talking. You can't mm-hmm. just, you know, you, you've got to have the scheduler in front of you. You can't do it by memory. A lot of these facilities, Meredith is, you know what? They have a lot of patients on caseload. We have sure. to get through that. For yeah, sure. but it shouldn't take long if you if you go through the basics. Um, you know, I don't think it should take that long. It may take long up front until you get your process down, down place.
0: I down. totally agree.
1: But I, yeah, but kind, you know that is going to be even again incredibly important, especially on the you know first five eight days of admission for a patient because that coding is going to be vital for payment for the rest of that patient's day. So, you know, sitting down, figuring out your processes and just make sure you talk. You know, I'm always like, talk to each other. If you don't understand something, ask. Yes. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, Liz, you know, it's always great having you on. You're such a wealth of knowledge uh, about the MDS and about therapy. And so we look forward to having you back and uh, we will talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Meredith. It's
0: been a pleasure. Legal disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in
1: rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel.
0: Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.